0: Like for you, if you would, we're doing War Room. If you've not seen, how many of you all have seen the video? Good bunch of you, I hope. If not, it's on sale at Walmart or uh, Target or stores. About 15 bucks. Be well worth having in your inventory of movies. Uh, if you get feeling spiritually depressed or down or something, that uh, I'm sure it'll encourage you and lift you up. We'll be doing video clips through Sunday school classes the next five weeks, uh, and also be using it for the sermon message too. And uh, I'd like for you to watch uh, one of the opening video from, from War Room.
1: It's been a part of humanity in every age. We fight for power, for riches, for rights, or for freedom. There always seems to be something to fight for. But one thing has remained true of every war. Behind the field of battle, someone has developed a strategy this was part of my husband's role in the army. He would look at what the enemy was doing, then begin putting together the resources and the plan to fight against them. He was a crucial part of this process until a heart attack claimed his life. That was a hard time for me and our son. I was reminded that death is a part of life and that the life we're given should never be taken for granted. It's been 40 years since Leo passed, but I still hold on to the many lessons I learned from that time. I find myself amazed that of the many battles we engage in today, be it money, control, or matters of the heart. Very few of us know how to fight the right way or understand who we're really fighting against. To win any battle, you've got to have the right strategy and resources because victories don't come by accident. victories
0: don't come by accident. When I watched that clip from War Room, it reminds me of my days in the military, when I took a course called Command and General Staff College, and it showed me a different thinking about war, where I'd been trained as an armor tank officer, and we thought about platoon and company tactics and small little battles and skirmishes, but. It showed me there was a strategic side to war. There was a a big picture of where the threat was coming from and that when it came to our nation, there was an enemy that threatened our survival and existence as a nation, whether it be the Soviet Union before the Cold War ended or ISIS and Islamic threat now. But they were a threat to our survival and that threat needed to be recognized. And what War Room is showing us is that we need to be understanding that we're not fighting battles and wars against our boss or our husband or wife or our kids or our neighbors. They aren't the real enemy. There is a strategic battle, a threat to our existence, and that threat is Satan. And what we're looking at in War Room is that the Christian needs to establish the command and control center the command post like we saw in the video where the christian has a war room to where the chief weapon in that war room is prayer which combats satan see god calls his followers to be prayer warriors so that we don't see our family our friends our neighbors as the threat or the enemy but we see the true enemy and identify him as satan and all through scripture god calls people because he needs things done like prayer and usually there's three responses given by people that god calls and the first response would be like jonah if you look in the old testament and his response is here i am lord i'm not going so it says in Jonah chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, God spoke to Jonah and said, go to the great city of Nineveh, preach against it because its wickedness has come before me. But Jonah ran away from God. Now, how many of you have had a similar experience when you felt the prompting of God to do something, prompt to say something to somebody at work or to help somebody in need, and you have said, not today, I'm not doing it. I would say if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, there has to have been a time that God was prompting you. And most likely a time that you ignored that prompting. It could be when the church is looking for people to help out in the nursery or work Wednesday night focus and work with teenagers or whatever it might be. And we're a lot of times like Jonah. Here I am Lord, but I'm not going. Second example is Moses. Who says, here I am, but send somebody else. Says, God says to Moses, so go now. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Which is something Moses would have agreed with. But he says in Exodus chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Moses is saying, I'm not good enough, not talented enough lord there has to be somebody better than i am and it's real easy for us to do this i'm not going because i don't have that much time i work get somebody that doesn't have as hard a job as i do oh find somebody better equipped because they're out there send someone else not me so we've seen those two responses to god's call jonah Here I am, I'm not going. Moses, here I am, send somebody else. But Isaiah, as you heard Justin read today, was a a very different response. It says in the passage that Justin read from today, it says, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, who shall I send, and who shall go for us? And Isaiah responded, here I am, send me, Lord. It's a simple response by Isaiah, but yet it's not the typical human response. What would be the human response when we get asked to go somewhere and to do something? The typical human response is, you're sending me where? What's the weather like? What's the cost of living? What's the pay? How much vacation do I get out of it? But Isaiah asked none of that because he prayed a prayer of openness. It's the kind of prayer I want us to learn how to do every morning when we wake up. A prayer where we wake up in the morning and give everything we have to God. Where we're willing to say, God, whatever you bring into my life, let it happen. To use whatever talent I have to build God's kingdom and to do what God wants us to do to let God lead us to wherever he wants us to go, where we're saying, here am I, Lord, send me. And that's our prayer. And it's a prayer that gives God permission to interrupt our lives. See, the person who prays this prayer, if he's prompted, he's willing to give something away. If God prompts him, they're willing to use their time to speak to someone else. You're saying to God, I am completely available to you. God, I am your servant. And if you start praying that, I'll guarantee you that God will use you. Do you hear me? I guarantee you that God will use you. God will interrupt you. God will move upon you. If you're praying the prayer of Isaiah, suddenly you will recognize that God has a lot for you to do. when you pray, here am I, send me. So how do you get to that kind of prayer before God? How do you get to the prayer of Isaiah where we're fully surrendered? Well, first of all, you need a genuine experience with the presence of God. Notice what it says in Isaiah 6:1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled this temple. Here Isaiah sees, Isaiah sees the holiness and the glory of God. It's almost like John's view, if you come to Karen's Bible study on on Monday night, John's view in the book of Revelation of of the Holy of Holies and the throne of God, where you see angels and beings in his presence. And, and Isaiah says, and, and all these beings and all these creatures were, were praising the living God, singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And, and when Isaiah saw the glory of God and experienced it, it transformed his life. So the question, let me ask you, why is it you may not be very available to God? Is it because you haven't really recently experienced the presence of God? People who experience the presence of God can pray. Here I am, send me Lord. Now let me ask you, has there been a time in your life that you've really experienced His presence? Hopefully everybody in here is a Christian, a born-again believer who knows Him as Lord and Savior. but. Maybe your life is like Elizabeth was, the realtor whose life was falling apart with her family and her husband. And, and you when asked about your life, you describe yourself as lukewarm. And what we see is that this Elizabeth develops a command control war room and begins to pray for the first time, sincerely and deeply to her lord to save and protect her marriage and and her house but that prayer didn't happen to elizabeth until she reached a place of submission where she said i am your servant anything you want from me lord maybe you've never been in that place of complete submission to god But the scripture promises the Christian that if they draw near to God, he will draw near to them in James 4, chapter 8. And this drawing near to God can literally happen anywhere, at any time. It could be that that closeness and that that sense of God's presence is in your car listening to praise music or a, a message or... It may be that you experience God in a way you never have before at some conference or some church camp or some big stuff event. Or maybe it even happens when you're jogging or walking in the woods. But where is it that you understand that you need to be available to God? And maybe you just haven't sought Him in a while. Because when you experience his presence the way Isaiah did, it changes you, and you see the glory of God. What do you need to fully surrender to him? So you need a a genuine experience with the presence of God. And secondly, you need a genuine awareness of your sinfulness. See, one of the biggest cultural lies today is that you're a good person. I'm a good person. But the truth is with, without Christ, you're not a good person. You're just a pathetic sinner. We're all evil. We're all sinful apart from God. And when Isaiah saw the goodness of God, he suddenly recognized his badness. He recognized his unrighteousness. If you look on in chapter 6, verse 5, he says, Woe to me! I'm I'm ruined! I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the Almighty King. So here Isaiah recognizes how unworthy and how sinful he is. So what does it take to get to that place of full surrender? To say, Here I am, Lord, send me. It not only takes a genuine experience with the presence of God or a genuine awareness of your sinfulness, but it also takes a genuine understanding of God's grace. I believe when you understand how amazing God's grace is, it brings you to a point of surrender. If you look at that same chapter, he said, then one of the seraphims, one of the angels, flew to me with a, with a live coal which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. See, Isaiah saw the presence of God, knew he was an unclean-lipped sinner, but one touched from God, and he knew that his sins were forgiven. And the same is true for us. Our sins are forgiven. Our sinful attitudes are forgiven. Our bitterness and anger are forgiven. Our secret sin that we have in our heart that no one else knows about is forgiven. See, God separates you from sin as far as the east is separated from the west. God remembers your sins no more. God is faithful and just to forgive your sins. And when you understand the grace of God, it transforms everything. Just as that hot coal cleansed Isaiah's lips, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us. And when we really don't have and realize we don't have anything to bring to God, then we understand that Jesus brings us everything we need. When we sense God's presence, we are aware of our own sinfulness, and we experience that undeserved grace of God through Jesus Christ. And when we experience that undeserved grace of God through Jesus Christ, our only response can be, God, I give you everything. Here am I, send me. See, we realize it's not our life, it's not our desires, and that's why we need to pray. God, I am all yours, anywhere, anytime, anything. It's getting to the point of of our lady in the movie, Elizabeth, in the war room, where we say, I get to pray. We look forward to prayer. Prayer is not an obligation or a burden. It's realizing that you have A day that God has made and God has put you in this moment of time so that you can bring glory to God. It's realizing he will bring people across your path that need encouragement. And that he will bring people across your path that have needs. And you will find that you have the exact thing that that person needs. Or the encouraging word they need to hear. The person who says, here I am, Lord, use me, sees things in their life that God reveals to them and are excited about giving everything they have to be used by God. But realize that this surrender to God isn't a one-time thing. Yeah, becoming a Christian is a one-time event, but... Each day is a daily decision, because when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit of God comes inside of you. But also there's your human side, your flesh side, and that's the one that has your natural selfish desires and your flesh. Your human side is at war with the spiritual side. Your flesh wants you to do and say, hey, it's about me, it's all about me, and and I need this and I need that. And your flesh says, no, God, send someone else, or I'm not talented. But the Christian who has the spiritual side says, here I am, send me. So how do we daily learn to have that attitude of Isaiah? It's simple. What we feed grows. What we starve dies. If we're constantly feeding the flesh, the human nature part of it, where it's all about me, where we don't have time to make a difference, then it's going to rule our lives. But if you deny the flesh and feed the spirit, And you feed the Spirit when you seek God. You feed the Spirit when you're in His Word, when you're connected with other believers, when you're sitting in the church worshiping God, when you're allowing your gifts to be used in the church and in the community. That caused the Spirit to grow and the flesh, the human side, to diminish. And as you make yourself more available, you will find God using you more but this is a daily thing you have to struggle with. But what you'll find out is that as you let God use you in little ways, he will use you in bigger ways once you prove your faithfulness. And if God finds you faithful with that little, he'll give you more. But Paul reminds us, we need to die to self every single day so that Christ can live through me. The praying Christian should want to show the same love Christ showed us to all the world. That's why we need to say, here I am, send me. So why don't more Jesus followers pray this prayer? I think it's because they're afraid. They're afraid if I pray this prayer, I'm going to end up as a missionary in Africa, which is a possibility, but more than likely, God's going to call you to be a missionary where you work because that place is holy too. And it's more likely he's going to call you to serve the people that are right in front of you. To be faithful with what he has already given you, your family, your friends. He may just want you to stop and listen to someone that's hurting. He may just want you to give something to someone in need. He may just want you to be faithful in a lot of little things. And later you may discover that the little things were actually bigger things. And because you were faithful day after day, God's using you. It may be he's prompting you to serve in the church. Maybe he wants you to Keep the nursery or work with preschoolers or work with elementary or junior high or high school. It may be he wants you to to give more financially. But when when he is saying to you, go, we need to hear his call and say, here I am, sinning me. When you say that, you're saying, Lord, I'm yours anytime, all the time not saying, Lord, I'm not going, or send someone else. So have you set up your command post, your war room? Are you praying like you should be? Have you identified the true enemy and understand that he is trying to trick and deceive you? This five weeks, we're gonna ask you to set up your own war room to set up your own prayer time and to be a person that is like Isaiah. Here I am, Lord, send me. Let's pray. Lord, as we gather here this morning, we just thank you that you use us. We are people that need to have our hearts prepared to be able to serve you, to be able to be used and go out and make a difference. Let us wake up each day looking for those opportunities, prayerfully searching to where you want us to be. And we give you thanks that we are your instruments. It's in your name we pray. Amen.